Pastor Saxton Odom here, so thankful that you have decided to join in to Wine on the Church of God's podcast today. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and draws you closer to God. God bless you today is our prayer as you listen. Hallelujah. How many are covered by the blood today? Amen. The blood's applied to the doorposts of your life. Hallelujah. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles today to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. And this morning, I have a word from God that I believe is so, so necessary to the world in which you and I live today. Uh, now, at, at first onset, you may think that it is a little hard of a message to receive and to accept. Uh, really, the message that I'm going to be preaching this morning is an old holiness-style message. So I may be preaching on everything from the dress code to the TV, okay, today. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna preach on what, God has, uh, what God's put on my heart. And I think it is so evident and necessary for where we live at in our world today uh, because of what the things we see going on around us, how we see the world escalating to the position. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning a little bit in Revelation and how we see the world escalating to the position of that day in which the Lord's coming is near. How many believes Jesus is about to return? Amen. How many is looking for Him to return? Hallelujah. How many want him to return today? Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in this world of care and sin. You don't have to live here too long to learn that there's a better place, and the place is called heaven. Brother Stanley, is his birthday today, y'all give him a birthday hand. Amen. You love Brother Stanley? He is... Uh, 68, right? 68 years old. And I, me and him were talking in the foyer this morning. And um, we were discussing about how he's lived 68 years on the earth. And he said he's seen some good things and bad things. And uh, I said, well, I'm sure you're ready for Jesus to come today after all these 68 years. Not only his birthday, but his sister Diana's too. Y'all give her a hand, sister Diana's, and uh, celebrating two birthdays today on Sunday in the church. But after years of living in the, on the earth, there's one thing that I'm sure all of us, no matter our age, if we've lived any amount of time, can understand and know that the world is corrupt. The world is not pure, the world is not pristine, but even more so, whenever we begin to look at God's people, in some instances, God's church has been corrupted. God's people have fallen from the place of standard and from the place of which we have been held to by God through His Word throughout the ages. And so I'm just going to preach on that this morning. If you will, stand on your feet with me today. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. And uh, then we're going to go to the end of the chapter. And this is talking about Israel at the Mount of Sinai. And it says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, or Sinai, however you like to pronounce it. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel had camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you out 
out on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, notice this, their response to the Lord's command, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them. Everybody say consecrate. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of everyone and you shall set bounds. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. For whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. That was a pretty painful death, amen. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Skip on down with me to verse 21 and we'll finish out there. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate, there's that word again, themselves lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and come back up, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Let's pray together today. Will you stretch your hands to the Lord heaven and let's ask for God's Spirit to touch us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today, God. We thank you, God, that you have given us your word, Lord, as a way to live our lives. God, you've given us your word as a guidepost, a guide path to walk in this life, Lord. And we pray this morning that your Holy Ghost would come and anoint me to preach and teach your word. God, it would anoint your people, Lord, to receive the word of the Lord, receive it to their hearts, receive it to change lives and that, Lord, we would, we would live up to the raised standard of the Word of God. But not only that, we would live as a raised standard for others to see and know your goodness and your glory in our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord today. The particular passage I want to focus on in Exodus 19 is the 12th verse. And he says, You shall set bounds for the people around the mountain, saying, Take heed to the cell, yourselves that you do not go to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. Have you ever seen a danger sign? 
like the one maybe in the picture. Have you ever seen a danger sign and maybe it was danger high voltage or maybe it was danger, uh, if you go here you may fall off of a cliff and perish or maybe it was danger there's known to be snake dens over here or maybe it was danger there's a mean pit bulldog in that backyard. Whatever the case was, there's different kinds of danger signs that are placed in our society today and we know when we see danger that we should approach that area not haphazardly but cautiously. We we should not just go into there uh, like we normally would but we should maybe not even go past the point of where that danger sign is unless we have right authorization. Well, even before danger sign was created, God was giving danger signs to His people. He was putting danger signs in the lives all the way back into the book of Genesis even in the lives of His people of things that they were to do and things that they were not to do. Uh, Customs that they were to observe and customs they were not to observe. And now the people of Israel had come out of Egypt. 430 years of bondage, of worshiping, being forced to live in a society that worshiped not not just one or two gods, but multiple gods, a a pantheon of different gods that Egypt worshipped. And these people had seen these false gods pervaded for generation after generation after generation, and the one true God had came to them and He said, I am your God, serve me, and I will lead you out of Egypt into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful promise? You know what He began to do? He began to do just that. He opened up the Red Sea. He he allowed plagues to come to Egypt. He opened up the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. They were in the wilderness, free of the Egyptians. And what would they do now? God would begin to mold their character, the character of this newly revived nation that was on its way to the promised land. And He would begin to establish signs in the wilderness for them to live by and to govern themselves by. And Exodus chapter 19 tells us that this commandment comes on the heels of a great victory. Verse 2 says they had just left a place called Rephidim. And if you will go back a couple of chapters and see what happened in Rephidim, you'll find that it was in Rephidim that God instructed Moses to hit a rock with his staff because the people were thirsty and what happened was something miraculous and supernatural. Water did what? Flowed from the rock. Not only did that happen at Rephidim and the people's thirst were quenched, but the Amalekites came against the Israelites in Rephidim. And the Bible tells us that Moses went up to a high and a lofty place overlooking the whole entire valley of battle. And there he raised up his staff in his hand and he declared Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord our banner or the banner of victory over us. And he held that up. And as long as he held that staff up, the Israelites would win in the battle against the Amalekites in the valley of Rephidim. But when his hands began to 
fall, they would begin to lose. So Aaron and Hur came alongside and they got under each arm and they held it up. And the Israelites defeated the Amalekites once and for all. And it was a picture of how Jesus Christ is our banner of victory. Hallelujah. He is always fighting for us. Hallelujah. He's always holding our hands up to battle. He's always going out and above for you and for I. Rephidim was a a place of great miracles. It was a place of great wonders that God had showed the people of Israel. And now He was fixing to take them to an even, even greater glory. You see, they were marching on their way to the promised land. And God was revealing glory after glory after glory. A new dimension of His power. Hallelujah. A new dimension of His holiness. A new dimension of His integrity. A new dimension of His character. I don't know about you, but the more and more I learn of Him, the more I find Him holy. The more I find Him worthy. The more I find Him awesome. The more I find Him majesty. The more I find Him mighty. Hallelujah. The more I am revealed a new dimension of God's glory. You see, He does not just want us to remain where we are. He wants us to have a new experience of His glory today. A new experience of God's glory. But there are limitations that He puts on His people to experience that glory. And God knew that He was fixing to come down on this mountain and visit with Moses. And He knew that He was going to give them something spectacular, Brother Stanley. The Ten Commandments. The greatest commandments that had ever been given. What all systems of law in the entirety of the world's civilizations would be founded on. Morality would be founded on these commandments. God was fixing to give it to Moses on the mountain. He was going to come down in the thick cloud, in the kavod of His glory, in the weightiness of His glory. And He was going to visit with Moses and inscribe with His own finger the Ten Commandments on the tablets but God said I don't want just anybody to be able to come on this mountain so Moses set a boundary Moses raise a standard everybody say raise a standard the title of this message this morning is a raised standard Moses was told to raise a standard, set a boundary around the mountain, build a fence, if you will, around the mountain so that the people or animals cannot come close to the mountain and touch it. Why? Why was that so important? Why was it important that no other person besides Moses, even an animal, touch the mountain? Why was God so meticulous? Why was He so, uh, why was he so careful about these instructions. I'll tell you why. Because the mountain represented God's holiness. The mountain represented His glory. The mountain represented all that He was, all that He is, and all that He is to be. Hallelujah. And if they touched the mountain where God was coming down to visit with Moses, they would defile it with their disobedience and their lives full of sin. Because if we will begin to go and look at the Bible, we'll begin to find out that the Israelite folks were some jacked up folks. 
They had just been rescued out of Egypt. But no longer have they been rescued and their feet got on the sandy uh, sands of the wilderness that they began to say, well, why don't we just go back to Egypt? We had beds in Egypt. We had food in Egypt. We had this in Egypt. We had that in Egypt. What kind of people would say that to God? God who just rescued them. God who just performed all kinds of miracles. Well, God, you should have just left us and left us in Egypt. They went on into the wilderness and they continued to grumble and complain. They continued to complain even after God provided food for them. They continued to complain even after in Rephidim when Moses struck the rock and water flowed out. The Bible tells us that they began to ask a question, is the Lord truly among us or not? And you know, I began to think about this and I began to think about how much God does for us. I got no amens right there. I don't guess God's done anything for you. How much God's done for us. Think about that. The breath you just breathed, He gave you. The heartbeat your heart just had, He granted it to you. The clothes on your back, He made provision for you to have them. Well, no, no, I work to have that. Well, actually, he gave you that job first and foremost. In fact, the Bible goes to tell us every good gift comes down from the Father. Like peace comes down, like we just sang. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning is what the Bible tells us. You know what that means? That means he's not changing. He is the giver today just as he was thousands of years ago. That job you have God gave you. Those clothes you have, God gave you. That house you have, God gave you. The family you've got, God gave you. The vehicle you have, though it may be missing a hubcap, God gave you. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, God has given you. But aren't we like those people of Israel and we question sometimes, is the Lord truly among us or not? Although there's no variation or shadow of turning in Him, there is within us, all of us, none of us are exempt from it at times in our lives. And there's sometimes times where we kind of stray from the way that we know to live. And so God begins to set limitations and set boundaries so that unbelief can only go so far and unrighteousness can only go so far and and dishonesty can only go so far and, and unholiness can only go so far. Can I tell you that just as God set clear boundaries for the Israelites in Exodus chapter 19, God sets clear boundaries in His Word today. He sets clear boundaries in His Word for our lives today. They're not from the latest and greatest motivational speaker. They don't even come from a preacher's mouth. They don't come from the Pope. What are and where are God's commands found in His Holy Word? In His Word, God has raised a standard. In His Word, God has set a boundary. In His Word, He has given us a danger sign saying, do not go beyond these places. 1 Peter chapter 1, 
15 through 17 says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves through the, mat- to, through the time of your stay here in fear. What was Peter talking about? He was talking to the church about our lives. You know why it's quiet this morning in this message? Because y'all aren't used to preaching like this. Because you're not going to get it on YouTube in these days. You're not going to find it on Facebook in these days. And most pastors don't preach like this no more these days. And you know what's happened? God's people have forsaken the danger signs of life and have began to touch the mountain. God's people have have become irreverent, Brother John, of God. We've forgotten what fear of the Lord is. What did Peter mean here when he said, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay? That sounds like we're visiting a hotel, doesn't it? Well, we are. We're not going to live on this earth forever. Eternity is millions and billions of years long, but our lives are just 70 to 90 years long. It's like a hotel stay. And if you're not careful, if you go down to Jackson to Hampton Inn and you just do whatever you want to in that hotel room and you break some, uh, you break some lamps and you shatter the TV, you know what's going to happen. They're going to charge your credit card because you did not respect the room. And Peter was saying to us, if we don't respect our lives while we're in this hotel stay if we don't respect our room in other words God is going to charge it to your account God's going to put a charge there on the other side you've got to conduct yourselves in holy fear unto the Lord throughout the time of your stay here on planet earth but not just in church don't just turn your halo bright and get your big black bible out when you come to church not just on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night not just when your Christian friends are around but he said conduct yourselves in all conduct in everything we do we are called to live up to a standard of God's righteousness and a standard of God's holiness and before I go any further we can't do it we can't do it on our own none of us can Only in and through Jesus Christ are we able to be holy. Are we able to be righteous. That is true. But once we have Jesus Christ and once we have His holiness and once we have His righteousness, we are not to just go back to living like we did before we had it. There is a way to walk uprightly before the Lord. The same question the Lord posed then is what He's posing this morning. The question He asked in Exodus 19 to Moses, are we minding the boundaries of life? Are we minding the boundaries of the Word? Notice God gave the command in Exodus 19 and 12 
But Moses and Aaron had ascended up the mountain already. And they got there and God came down in the first time in the thick cloud. And probably Moses thought, this is it. This is the moment in which I'm going to get I'm going to get the Ten Commandments. But God wasn't there to give the Ten Commandments at that moment in time. He was there to give them another warning. He told Moses and Aaron in verse 22, go back down there and warn the people again. Don't come near the mountain. And the question that I feel like the Lord wants us to evaluate in our lives today is are we minding His boundaries in our lives? Because in a world that blurs the lines of boundaries, we serve a God that emboldens the boundary lines. While the world wants to erase them, God has highlighted them. While the world wants to sell us, there's no boundary lines. There's no boundary lines in marriage anymore. There's no boundary lines in religion. There's no boundary lines in equality. There's no boundary lines in gender. There's no boundary. Just do what you want. Be who you want. Be who you feel. Be who you are. There is a God who says there is a boundary. There are males and there are females. There is right and there is wrong. There is good and there is evil. There is a way that is right to man, but the end thereof is death. But there is a way that is right to God and the end thereof is joy and peace and eternal life everlasting. Hallelujah. 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 God has highlighted the boundary lines. This this question to Moses wasn't a question of ignorance. It was a question of love. God wasn't saying, well, I don't know if they're listening to me. God knew. (laughs) He knew that they were already contemplating, oh, I'm going to go up there and touch that mountain. Because ain't it just like us to be told not to do something and want to do it anyway? How many of you are like that? Somebody tells you, oh, you're never going to do this. You're going to make sure you show them, I'm going to do that. Or you're never going to be this. You're going to make sure I'm going to be that person. And so God, just like kids, you know, I have ki- my kids are down with Lacey's parents this weekend, and I, when you tell them don't do something, if I told them not to go grab this bottle, three minutes they'd have the bottle in their hand. Why? Because it's, it's sort of kind of like I've got to do what I know I'm not supposed to do. And so God knew what was in the people's hearts He knew he had told them not to touch the mountain, but he knew they were saying, oh, we're going to touch that mountain. Why why can only Moses go up there? Why can't we go up? Y'all know how we think. Why can only Moses go up there? Why why can't we go up there? Who is Moses? We didn't even know Moses before he came along a couple of plagues ago. Who is this guy, Moses? Why does he get this privilege of going? Y'all know us. And so we go and try to touch the mountain. And God reminded Moses, go back and tell him again. Warn him again. It was, not, it was not a warning out of hate or condemnation. It was a warning out of love. It was a warning out of reminder to mark your boundary and don't get close to it. You see, in this world in which you and I live, we have got to establish and raise a standard in our lives. We have got to set some boundaries. And the truth of the matter is we don't really even have to set them ourselves God's word has already set them for us and we just need to abide by them 
See, this is too old-fashioned of a message for some of us because we've been raised in a generation that says, the love of God covers all. Or Joel Osteen has smiled at us one too many times with his Botox and told us, the grace of God runs deep. And it does. It does. Truly it does. The grace of God is greater for sure. The grace of God is greater than all our sin. And I thank God for that for sure. But Romans 6.15 says, What then? Since sin, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. God forbid, Romans 6.15. You know what? Paul was saying just because grace is greater and just because God's love is great should you go on like you don't live with a standard and should you continue to live like you have no boundaries and should you just conduct yourself however you want to Paul said God forbid absolutely not why because you are supposed to be a Christian Nobody is saying anything right here today. We are supposed to be Christians. We aren't to flirt with sin just because Jesus will cover it. We are not to get close even to it. But you know what we do? We wink at it. We throw it a glancing smile every now and then. We like the idea of touching that mountain. So we get close and give it a wink or a glance or a smile. That lying makes us feel good or that stealing or thieving or adultering thought or whatever it is, seeing in your life makes you feel good. and You justify it. Well, everybody does it. Everybody in church does this or everybody in church does that surely God's not going to single me out dear brother and dear sister God never said to look at other people he said look at yourself in the mirror of my word look and observe your life whenever I get to heaven God is not going to ask me well how did Stanley Crouch live and that affect you he's not going to ask me that he's going to say why did you do this when you knew my word said that why did you say this when you know I told you not to be involved in any unbecoming speech why did you cuss I told y'all this is an old-fashioned holiness message. Why did you watch that violence on TV? Why did you let your daughter dress like that? I'm going to have to pay somebody to say amen this morning. Why did you do this when you know my word said that? He's not going to ask you about your preacher. He's not going to ask you about your friend. He's going to ask you about you. In the light of His Word. Shall we continue to sin just because grace abounds? Absolutely not. But in 2021, we can do whatever we want to do. Even as Christians, here's the terrible thing. We've bought into this lie of the devil. Well, just because I don't like that preacher, I'm not going back to church. 
You're just as bad as the sinner on the street. Well, you don't understand. I'm not going to talk to them at work anymore. I know they're Christian and I'm supposed to be a Christian, but you just don't understand. Well, the Bible tells me to forgive as we've been forgiven. God's not going to look at somebody else. He's going to look at you and He's going to ask, did you touch the mountain or not? Did you get too close to the boundary? Did you raise a standard or not? 1 Thessalonians 5, 22-24 says, Abstain from all, all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace will sanctify you holy. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Don't even look like it. Don't even talk like it. Don't even act like it. Walk like it. A Christian, talk like a Christian, look like a Christian, love like a Christian, sing like a Christian, pray like a Christian. It's hard for sure. We're not perfect. Absolutely not. We're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. But my goodness, whenever you fail, you get yourself back up, you buckle your belt back, you tie up your shoestrings again, and you put another foot in front of the other and say, I'm striving for the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ in my life today. I'm not going to be set back today like I was yesterday. There's forgiveness, yeah, there's grace, yes, but we should not continue to willfully live unholy and unrighteous lives that we know are contrary to His Word just because we want to. There is a raised standard. There is a set boundary. This is more than just church. It's more than just what you wear. It's more. And by the way, listen, we're, we gotta, we gotta dress right, folks. We gotta dress right. We're holy unto the Lord. We don't need to be wearing tight clothes. Ladies, we don't need to be having cle our cleavage showing. This may make some of y'all mad, but I'm coming in harder, I promise you. We don't need to be having our cleavage showing. I was at a church meeting one time about to preach sitting on the stage for revival and the ladies at the church had on leather tight spandex while they were up there singing. Me about to preach. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a man. Leather tight spandex pants on women. You know what the devil will begin to do? He'll begin to try to draw your eyes. All you men say, amen. You know I'm telling you the truth. He'll, <laughs> he'll begin to try to draw your eyes. In church! You know what I realized? I realized then why the old timers used to always wear skirts and dresses. Because there was no... No, no chance of any of that mess happening back then. And the preacher, before he getting up there to preach, being trying to drawn away by the enemy. There's no chance of that whenever you dress modestly. But let's even go further. Preachers, pastors, okay, are so fit nowadays. And I'm all for fitness, okay? I'm all for fitness, although you can't tell it. 
I'm all for fitness if you want to go work out. Please yourself. My Bible tells me bodily harm profiteth little. Or bodily exercise, excuse me, profiteth little. It is bodily harm too. <laughs> bodily exercise profiteth little. If you want to go work out, do it. But we got preachers, and you can find them on TV. You can find them on YouTube. We got preachers who work out, and then they'll wear tight shirts behind the pulpit, and every woman can see the crease of their pectoral muscles, or they can see the crease of their new back muscles. Come on, we've got to do better, church. There is a standard that's been raised. There's a boundary that's been drawn. We're not called to look like the world. We're called to look like the people of God. We're not called to act like the world. We're called to act like the people of God. We're called to be different. Hallelujah. It's more than just this, that, or the other. It's what you watch on TV. It's what you allow in your homes. It's the violence that is pervasive on television shows. And you like a good action movie, Dad. So every now and then you'll you'll watch one of them shoot 'em up. Uh, you'll watch one of them shoot 'em up videos, and you'll just wince at the cuss words. But you don't realize little Johnny's back there in his room playing. But he hears those gunshots, and he hears those cuss words, and when little Johnny gets older, he may go a little step further than daddy went. There's a raised standard. There's a boundary that's being set. It's how you live your total life. We wonder why our kids of today are so confused. Why are our kids so confused? Well, I'll tell you why our kids are so confused because they see us at church on Sunday and then leaning on the back truck with a beer on Friday night. I'm about to throw the microphone. They see us at church on Sunday or cussing on Tuesday. A raised standard. Or watching a violent show or an inappropriate show or giving more time to your phone than to your children. Parents, your children will only be as disciplined as you are. One's generation's compromise is the next generation's captivity. So if you want your kids to be held captive to the things you struggle with, keep struggling with it. But if you want your kids to be victorious over it, you get your hands in this Bible, you get your this Bible in your heart, and you begin to live by it, you begin to worship by it, you begin to walk in it, to talk in it, and God will change your life and your family's life for generations to come. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong with boundaries. They're necessary. One of the easiest boundaries a lot of us need to learn is the word no. Let me tell y'all something. I could preach on this right here. No is necessary. No is necessary sometimes. You don't always have to cave in to what everybody wants of you at that moment in that time. You can actually say, no. Y'all try it with me. No. There's freedom in no. 
<laughs> That's a word for somebody today. There's nothing wrong with convictions. They're necessary. There's nothing wrong with protecting yourself. It's necessary. Sister Laverne told us a story in Sunday school a couple weeks back about a professor saying, was it the professor saying about bananas? That it was a sin to eat bananas. And they thought, it's not a sin to eat bananas. Nowhere in God's Word is He tells us it's a sin to eat bananas. That seems outlandish, right? But he broke out in hives every time he ate bananas. So to him, it was a sin to eat a banana. And the Bible tells us, for you to know to do good and doeth it not, to that man is sin. Good for me is different than good for Stanley, or Brother Stanley. And if he doesn't do good for him, it might not affect me, but it'll affect him. It's necessary to protect yourself. Young parents always have, I was watching Home, uh, home what's the name of that show? Home Hunters, is that it? House Hunters, there you go, brother. Y'all watch the same shows I do. House Hunters, the other day, they were hunting for a house, and this is a young family, probably about my family's age with kids three and four, and they uh, had a beautiful house. They loved it, but it had one thing wrong with it. To me, it would have been wonderful, but they had one thing wrong with it for them, and I understand their perspective as parents. It had a pool in the backyard, an in-ground pool. They were so worried that Johnny and Susie would somehow get out that back door and get in that pool, and we'd hear a horrible story that unfortunately we have to hear so many times. And so that mom and daddy forsook that beautiful big home for a lesser one because they wanted to protect their kids. That's necessary. Who knows? That may have saved those babies' lives. And who knows what is necessary to save you from the torment and torture of hell for all of eternity but God. And so He gives you danger signs. Don't go near the mountain. Don't touch it. There's a raised standard. I've put a fence there. I've made it clear to you, do not be involved in this. Don't say this. Don't do this. Not because I hate you, but because I love you. And I want you to be with me forever. Life is not a game. It's not a game where we win or lose based upon our fame or our fortune or how worldly or carnal or how relevant or how in with the times we become and are. Life is a choice in which it's win or lost. And the choice is to accept Jesus as Savior and live as He says live or not to. And the game of life, the board game of life, ends in one of two places. Both of them are great, great little places. You can have the mansion, manor, or you can just go to a normal nursing home. <laughs> but real life's not like that. You can have heavenly mansions, or you can have hellacious eternity. There's only two options. And it depends on how you live your life. You see, we want relationship with God without rules. 
But in any good relationship, there are clear rules. Once I started dating my wife, we, we started sharing things that we didn't like the other one doing. And I'm sure you did that as well. And for long, when I got married, she started, stop, started telling me stuff to stop doing. In a good relationship, there are clear rules. There are clear boundary lines. There are clear standards. And we should expect God to understand that of us as well. He has given us clear standards, clear rules. With what purpose? Number one, He said so. He said so. Daddy said so. God the Father said so. And so we got to do what Daddy wants done. Amen. But then number two, preparation for the glory. And I'm bringing this to a close. Sister Laverne, will you come? Preparation for the glory. God was revealing a greater glory to His people than they had ever known, but He did not want them to touch the mountain and to forsake it. He did not want them to touch the mountain and forsake it. What was the end of the story? Not a good one. While they were up on the mountain, Moses getting the Ten Commandments, the people didn't touch the mountain, but they started taking off their earrings and their nose rings and their watches and their bracelets and burning them down into a gold pile, and they crafted a bull out of it to worship. They went from one evil to a worser one. What a horrible story that would be to be said of any of us in the room today. I don't believe it would be. God has a plan, and God has a purpose for our lives, but we've got to make sure that we mark the raised standard, that we observe the boundaries. Will you stand on your feet with me? God wanted them to understand and experience His glory in a greater way, but not just the glory on Mount Sinai. He wanted them to experience the glory that was to come, the glory of the promised land. What was the promised land? The promised land was the land flowing with milk and honey. And you know what was so sad? Every single person there on Mount Sinai, Brother Stanley, didn't get to experience it. Because they did not set boundaries in their lives. They did not raise standards. They did not observe God's commandments. And they forsook the promised land because of it. We are not only called to live up to a raised standard to receive God's glory. Listen, if we want to receive revival next week, and I do, we've got to make sure our lives are living up to His standards. He's not going to revive us if it's not. He's going to ask us for repentance before He does that. But number two, more than revival, I want to make it to heaven. I want to walk on streets of gold. I want to be with my Jesus for all of eternity, forever. But I've got to make sure that I know the raised standards of the Word of God and know the raised standards in my life. I've got to make sure I mark boundaries in my life where I don't go past because I may be in danger of hellfire if I do so. We all must make that necessary today. And I invite you in just a moment to do that. Whether you come to this altar, whether you kneel there, I invite you to say, God, 
I know that there is a real heaven and there's a real hell. And I want to go to the real heaven, but I want to live for you while I'm on my way there to make it there. Help me, Lord. I can't do it within myself, so strengthen me to live up to the standard of God's Word and you and me. Help me, God, to do what's right, not what's wrong. I want you to pray that prayer if you feel led to this morning. Father, God, I thank You for each and every person that's in this house today. Lord, I thank You for this Word. Lord, I thank You, God, for this message. Lord, it's not just a message to one of us. It's a message to all of us. Our world is evil, as evil as ever been. Our world is corrupt. The world's system and scheme is blurring the lines, the boundary lines that have been created for millennium. But Father, You're reminding us, just as You reminded Moses, to go back down the mountain and tell them again, mark the boundaries, watch the boundaries, don't go and touch the mountain. You're reminding us, don't touch the unholy things of God. Don't go where you should not go. Don't say what you should not say. Don't do what you should not do, lest you be in danger of spiritual death. Lord, today I pray that we all would mark it as a reminder from You, as Your words to us this morning and that our hearts would respond. Lord, I pray if there be one today far from You, or one today out of relationship with You, that You would draw them to You in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank You for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, this morning I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I don't even know the standard that You're talking about. Or I've maybe not lived like I should have lived. I've not lived up to the standard of Christ wanting me to. And I know I can't within myself, but I've got to have His help. But today, I'm recommitting myself. I'm rededicating myself to do it more than ever. Will you slip your hand up? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Thank you, God, for those hands. This is what I want us to do. Whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, I want us to come to this altar and just cry out to the Lord and say, God, help me mark the boundaries in my life. Lord, help me mark the boundaries in my life. Help me raise a standard, the standard of Your Word in my life. This is, an, this is for everybody. Can we come and can we just cry out to the Lord and say, God, reveal to us, reveal to us where we have, may have went too far. Reveal to us where we have, may have touched a holy thing of You. Reveal to us today. Hallelujah.